No, I say I say to the fans that the fans are the fans and the fans have the right to have their opinions and to have their reactions. Football everything. I'm so happy, believe me. I'm so happy. Lewandowski, you know, Robert Lewandowski. Dream team, dream team. Fire, swoosh. I am flabbergasted and they're here. I wouldn't even let them on the bus after the match. I would get a taxi back to Manchester. <laughs> the only time a tennis ball has ever made me angry. What's viral on Twitter for us tonight is tennis ball. These boys are fucking mentality <laughs> giants. It's unbelievable. This is a great football and country produced players and where we play that rubbish. Yeah. In August 2020, yeah, I'm taking over and that's still decided. I'm angry, I'm angry, Tony, I have to be honest. Stephen Kenny, we've won it. So go on, go back to Scotland and get lost. And I'm certainly going to be a part of that. I'm going to manage that. I'm going to make sure we're even better. And Vitek is there! Robbie Brady Hello and welcome to the Treat the Back podcast. Thank you for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate and review and help us along the way. It's a fairly competitive market, this football podcast world. We are back after a little mini hiatus to unpack the latest in the Irish camp after the international break. As we draw 2-2 with Belgium and a last gasp, Thunderbastard from Troy the Boy Parrot put some shimmer on what was an otherwise um, difficult enough watch against Lithuania on Tuesday night. I'm joined, as always, by Phil Green and Enda Higgins. How are you, lads? Evening. Evening, lads. Good to be back. Good to kind of end the international break on, on, a, on a slightly positive note. I know it was kind of a, a bit of a struggle there for 96 minutes and 20 seconds or whatever for uh, for much of that game against Lithuania. But um, uh, a win's a win, even though it was a friendly. I think it's nice to go away with, uh, with a win under their belts. Um, Phil, I suppose, what, what is your overall takeaway from, uh, from another unbeaten international camp for, uh, for Kenny's boys? Yeah, two relatively useful games, I thought, um, in the first instance with Belgium. Uh, I think it's a nice kind of reference point for them to be able to say that they came back twice from being behind to draw with a with an obviously better team, notwithstanding Belgium obviously missed miss most of their stars, but I think it's it, it's not exactly treasonous to say that they still had a better quality team out than we did. So it's a nice reference point there. I think the result is probably really encouraging there. And then I think the Lithuania performance... Uh, regardless of whether Parrot had scored last night or not, I think it was probably a, a good chance for them to learn about what it takes to try and break down a side who don't want to play as much football, maybe as a Belgium or a Portugal did. We've we've kind of shown at this stage that we're comfortable enough, I think, under Kenny now, um, with a little bit more of a, not entirely counter-attacking, but where there's more space where the team and the opposition want to play a bit. I think we, we've shown that we can give a good account of ourselves. I think the Lithuania game against an opponent who didn't have much interest in playing, I think was a useful training exercise as much as anything. Pointed out where we need to work on, which is plenty of areas. Pointed out things that we're doing well. I think um, it's important, to, 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 like you said, to keep up that kind of, to, ha- to get a win against Lithuania, to keep up the unbeaten streak. But I think they'll probably take more from what went wrong against Lithuania and use it kind of going forward into the summer. Then, uh, then they will necessarily from Parrot actually getting the win, which is important as well. Yeah, I mean, I thought I was the jinx, but Phil doing his, uh, his <laughs> end of his analysis thread <laughs> seconds before Parrot was... I'll blame you know, the slow yeah, yeah. method of uh, <laughs> viewing the game on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. So it's good if you're going to take over that mantra going forward, especially with your praise of Liverpool constantly. But... Um, no, I thought, you know, would agree wholeheartedly with Phil on, on both those points. I think certainly the Belgium game was extremely encouraging. 
And a lot of people have pointed out, obviously, missing De Bruyne and Lukaku in particular. Uh, Hazard less so, considering his domestic contribution this season. But, you know, if you look at the most important players who've prospered under Kenny, he's was probably missing his three top ones in uh, Bazunu, Omar Medeli and um, Ida as well. So, you know, we're dealing with our own issues. So I think it was a really encouraging game and uh, to come back twice from behind and, you know, really compete very well throughout uh, was very encouraging. I actually thought the reaction to last night's performance was more gloomy than I expected. I mean, Lithuania mm. have caused a few teams trouble in the past, especially when they were in Portugal's group uh, a few years ago. Uh, and if you look at what we were trying to get from the game, Ryan Manning at left wing back is certainly somebody who's definitely going to be an option going forward. Matt Doherty continuing his good international form, which I think is always going to be important for what Kenny is trying to do. Collins, probably our best player on the night. Um, so those are the things I was hoping that would come off for Kenny that, you know, perhaps haven't, you know, worked his way in his early days compared to now this unbeaten run that we're on since the Portugal game. So I was overall okay with it, considering the four disallowed goals, the incredible save near the end. Um, they were a very tough team to break down. Probably Will Keane was the most disappointing element in terms of, you know, he's got 20 goals this season. He's 29 years old. You would have expected him to make his case in his first start for Ireland. But it it was a difficult match for, for a number nine against basically a seven or eight man defence overall. But it was great to get the win in the end. And even Parrott's um, cameo is, is something really positive for Kenny to be able to work with. Um, considering how well, obviously, he's played for MK Dons this season. But again, it's just another type of thing that's starting to come off for Kenny when he does throw on these players and he does need something from them. They are delivering, whereas in his early days, it just felt like everything was going wrong for him. So Mm. uh, I just think everything is pretty positive going forward, especially when you see the opponents we have in the Nations League in the summer. I think the matches are very winnable there. So it'll just be a case of keeping the train on the tracks, really, without having to... Uh, disrupt the under-21 squad, which I think is important as well for us going forward. Yeah, I think out of the both, both games, we're probably taking more out of the, the Lithuanian game, especially when you, you look ahead to the summer um, and the Armenian fixture, which is probably uh, the the closest to what we're probably going to face as we did uh, on Tuesday night. Um, I, like yourself, I was a little bit surprised by how kind of downbeat a lot of people uh, were online reading some of the reaction to the to the Lithuanian game. Um, I mean, the, sh- the system itself, and I think we'll get on to that in a second, but when you do look at the, the team he went with, um, Will Keane was obviously making his full debut, so was Nathan Collins. Darrow Shea has just come back from injury. Um, Ryan Manning was given a, a chance at left wing back, uh, which up until now, was, uh, you know, he's been a, a short of a few few chances. And I was kind of going down the, the line that, you know, Kenny simply doesn't fancy him at all, but I actually did it, thought he did quite well overall. Um, and I think the, the the shape and the system itself probably, um, you know, it didn't suit the the very low block that Lithuania had with everyone behind the ball. Um, Ogbeni and Robinson weren't getting a lot of success. But um, I mean, when you consider what Kenny was trying to do, which I think um, was add a little bit of depth, um, particularly in those kind of three um, at the back positions with Collins and O'Shea, give Manning some minutes, um, trying out Brown and Howard in midfield. Um, um, obviously, maybe you could argue that the the Will Keane experiment was was a bit of a failure. Um, but yeah, I, I I thought the the kind of the negative reaction was was a little bit unfair um, from from some last night. In terms of the the Belgium game, lads, I mean, 
probably my main, main takeaway from that was um, was the system. We seem to be absolutely set on the system. And I think we've probably, um, you know, out of 11, maybe we have eight, nine, maybe even 10 players now that you could settle as, uh, as our strongest 11, which I think, you know, going into a, a new late Nations League uh, campaign is a, is a huge positive. Yeah, completely. I think actually, if you look at that team that started against Belgium, I think maybe Bazunu for Kelleher might be the only change yep. you'd see from a near enough first choice at the minute with Jamie McGrath not playing for Wigan. You know, that kind of left number 10 or left forward, whatever you want to call it. That third place in the front three is probably slightly up for grabs. But I think that is nearly, I don't think you get much you get much complaints if that was your first choice 11. I think I think that might be it now. Um, I, I think you're right. I think we're arriving kind of at a settled point um, where people know their roles. People are starting to get comfortable in their roles. Um, I think you're seeing a little bit of things knitting together. I think, like you said, you kind of saw the opposite, I think, a little bit in the Lithuania game where he was necessarily and had to try people out, but you could tell that yeah. maybe they weren't as comfortable or used to the different type of movements that each other were doing than was the case even on uh, on the weekend. So I, th- I think you're totally right. I think we're definitely approaching kind of eight, nine, ten, pretty set positions, uh, and I think we're probably getting to the point where there's three, three or four, maybe five players underneath that where you're pretty comfortable with them slotting in in different positions. But I think I think you were saying on uh, on Twitter last night, Kev, there's there's probably some positions where the depth maybe isn't quite there, or the players that they're trying to bring depth through mightn't exactly be a long term solution. So I think we might be at a stage where there's kind of nine or ten pretty solid first choice players and three or four pretty solid replacements and then maybe you might be on a little less sure footing in other in other places in the squad but it was kind of always that way with Ireland I mean certainly in, in a lot of, for a lot of our lifetime we haven't exactly been falling over ourselves with players who can who can slot in and out and um, so it, it is good to see that we're arriving after you know however long it is now Stephen Kenny I think we have a, a kind of very recognizable identity very recognisable first 8, 9, 10, 11 and maybe a few others but uh, maybe around the margins we might still be might still be shuffling the deck a small bit mm-hmm. I suppose on that I mean when you look at the Belgian team and you consider some of the players that weren't there uh, the likes of Bizuno, the likes of Adam Ida who might have started one or both of those games um, considering how how favoured he is under Kenny and you know unfortunately the injury um, came at such a bad time after he got a run of games at Norwich in in the Premier League and was starting to to find his footing there. Um, just to kind of build on that point you mentioned, and, and it's something that kind of annoyed me slightly was, um, you know, he he obviously you know he made the argument that he didn't want to bring in Jamie McGrath because he's not getting game time for a weekend, um, which is understandable. You know, you want to try out some some other guys who are actually getting some club game. Um, and he didn't want to pick McGrath. And then if McGrath continued to be left out of Wigan, you're going into the summer without any kind of depth in, in that area. Um, he brought in Conor Ronan, who wasn't in, uh, included in either of the uh, the, uh, the match day squads. He included um, Mark Sykes, who didn't come on in either game. Um, and I mean, my overall point in was in relation to Will Keane and, and Scott Hogan, who, I mean, Keane has 20-odd goals in, in League One this season, which is a, is a fantastic telly. I mean, it's it's 19 more than Tri Parrot has, I think, um, and Scott Hogan as well. They're both 29 years old, and I'm just wondering, you know, what more have we learned from including these two guys that we couldn't have added with uh, Michael Obafemi? Um, Aaron Connolly has obviously come under a lot of criticism, but 
I mean, both of those guys are, I think, of the profile that we need to be experimenting with and not the Hogans and Keens. Um, and obviously, Tri Powers, when he came on, made a huge difference. Um, so I think that was that was my biggest kind of bugbear coming away from these two games was that um, the depth that Kenny supposedly wanted to, to the experiment weren't used. And I felt we could, we left guys at home that I think would have been more benefit to, to see them out there this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the Obafemi situation was quite a strange one, I think, in terms of he was worried about potentially getting injured and that raises questions about, you know, potentially yeah. his his future um, international career. I mean, he's had a very good, good few months domestically and maybe he's just in at a phase of his career where he just wants to focus on that, which obviously is fine. So I wouldn't really... I would try not to pin that one on Kenny too much, but overall it's a concern going forward because he's exactly the type of profile that I'd like to see coming through. I know we have a lot of these kind of fast, wide forwards, false nines, but they still potentially offer a lot more in, in terms of a 3-4-3 a three, three over you know certainly somebody like Will Keane. Um, and uh, in terms of Aaron Connolly, I mean, we've been quite critical of him in the past to be fair uh, but he's actually done quite well at Middlesbrough by all accounts um, and certainly gotten a lot more minutes there than I thought he would so I think once you do have a player who's having a relatively successful loan after his his confidence was so low after the Portugal match especially um, the away the away fixture there and and not getting minutes at Brighton at all and being lauded <laughs> harshly by their media in terms of his off the field activities um so uh, I think it's, it was quite a difficult situation for Kenny in terms of trying to balance that. But I, I'd agree wholeheartedly in terms of what Kenny needs to try and do now that he has nailed down this 3-4-3 formation is absolutely focus on the players who are going to be around in 18, 24 months. Yeah. And I don't really see the two players you mentioned being part of those long-term plans. Even though Will Keane, especially at 29 and on paper, is our, our most clinical forward uh, I just don't think he fits the style, really, of, of what we're trying to do. Um, everything about that Kenny front three, when it does go well, is about, you know, certainly pace, directness, um, you know, really a- attacking the defence, uh, especially that Ida performance away to Portugal really um, summarised how he's he's trying to play. And Ogbeni's form has just backed that up. I mean, he's a genuine proper winger now and he really takes on the full back at any opportunity, which is so rare to see. So I'm delighted with how he's coming along and you throw somebody like Will Keane into the mix of those type of players and it just doesn't seem to fit in terms of he doesn't really seem to have the link-up play capable as well that can you know, make up for that lack of pace. But he is scoring goals at domestic levels, so it is a quite tricky situation. But I definitely would have included... Jamie McGrath, um, just because I think he's he's an excellent footballer, and I'd really like to see him around the Ireland squad going forward, especially at only twenty five years of age. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was a bit of an odd one. I mean, I suppose it's a nice luxury to have that we can suddenly start um, excluding players who aren't playing at club level. But I think, um, you know, for him personally, he hadn't done anything wrong whatsoever when he has played for Ireland. Um, so I did feel a, a little bit disappointed for him, especially considering, you know, Ronan and Sykes weren't involved at all. Um, and I know Kenny does have a tendency to kind of bring in a guy or two for a for a camp and maybe give them a chance to bed in, get, get a better feel for them. Uh, I'm sure they're being, you know, 
their mind is being overloaded with uh, instructions and, 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 and kind of new information to take on. So, you know, come the summertime, we might see those two guys uh, involved a little bit more. But, uh, yeah, I thought I thought McGrath's exclusion was uh, was a bit strange, all right. Yeah, Malumbi didn't get a run last night either, which I yeah. thought was slightly strange as well. I don't know what your mm. take was on that. Yeah, well, especially considering the midfield didn't tear up trees either. Um, like there, I think part of the problem with, with why we kind of struggled at times to break down such a low block was there was a little bit of a lack of tempo from the midfield too. Uh, certainly not sort of tempo that Josh Cullen would normally set. And not that Malumbi is a metronome, but he is nothing if not energetic and enthusiastic. Uh, so I was surprised not to see him uh, to get a few minutes. Even for the fact that like he's after bringing him over, like why not put these players... Like There was nothing riding on last night. Um, and he is an established yeah. Kenny favourite, or perceived Kenny favourite, maybe we have to call it now. Um, but I, I was surprised when the midfield... Like, it would be different if the midfield was absolutely flowing and doing really, really well. But that wasn't the case. Um, so I, I, I did think we'd see somebody like Malumbi even just to kind of clatter into someone and give people something to <laughs> shout about. Yeah, he's that type of character, isn't he? Um, I suppose in terms of Leds, who, who, whose stock has risen over the past week and... Um, I mean, an excellent advertisement, I think, for, you know, going abroad, chancing your arm over in, in the Belgian Pro League is Josh Cullen. Um, I think he's played the most minutes in, in, since uh, Kenny's arrival. Um, and I thought he, he was excellent against Belgium. I thought he was absolutely sorely missed against Lithuania. Then, you know, his absence was very felt in terms of how he, he keeps the game ticking. Um, I thought Brown and and, um, and Howard can kind of struggle at times. Um, I mean, a guy who after this campaign has, or after this uh, this uh, international break rather, has probably nailed his name as probably the first or second name on the team sheet, Phil. Yeah, I, I think actually as as well as I think he played against Belgium, especially in the second half, I think his stock rose even more, as you said, in his absence, With his uh, absence last yeah. night. <laughs> I think it was very evident that we don't have a, 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 kind of a replacement for him uh, in the squad, or at least... At the minute, we don't have somebody capable of doing what he's doing. I think you're 100% right about uh, the impact on his career going to Anderlecht. He could have very easily scratched around in you know yep. a top half of League One, bottom half championship uh, on loan and eventually a permanent move from, from West Ham uh, and you know played a bit of rough and tumble like a lot of our lads do. And there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. But he's gone to a league and to a club and to a manager with maybe a little bit more of a focus on the technical side. He's also taken himself out of his comfort zone, which I think is really important for this Irish team because it's what Kenny's trying to instill in in, in the group as a whole. Um, and I think you're right. I mean, I think given the given the, the, the competition we have in the back three and even in goals, he might actually be the first name on a team sheet now. Like he might actually be the de facto, there is the, the biggest gap between him and his replacement in the squad. Um, so, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I think he's kind of nailed himself down in that number six role for, for the foreseeable. And uh, I think as, as long as midfielders who come in to replace him do as average a job, not bad, but average, as, as happened last night, there shouldn't be anyone threatening it, I don't think, until maybe Connor Coventry makes a move up from the 21s. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I agree with Phil in terms of, yeah, if somebody average beside him does their job, then we're in good shape. But I mean, if we could find his perfect partner, I think, you know, it would, mm. it would elevate everything we're trying to do to the next level because that five at the back obviously gives us that solidity. But as we saw last night, if you just have two midfielders who can't really, you know, penetrate, especially through that low block, then we're really struggling. And I think, 
you know, if Cullen and somebody else could potentially mm. form a partnership that can do that consistently, then I do think we have the forwards mm. who can, you know, get in behind teams and cause a lot of problems. Where, where are you on Jeff Hendrick? I mean, a lot of people are saying he's gone through a, a bit of a, a mini renaissance. Is he, is he the guy who can, you know, he does have a kind of a defence splitting pass in him, maybe one or two a game. Is he the guy that you'd kind of stick in number one choice next to Cullen for now? Yeah, I'm still looking at Kenny thinking what will the Ireland team look like in two or three years' time? And if you see, especially the quality of midfielders we have in the under-21s, and I don't want to disrupt that now because obviously they have an important campaign um, that they're in the middle of and it's best to keep them all together for now. But I, I struggle to see Jeff Hendrick being part of the fold in two or three years time I think he could be you know like his career at Newcastle is likely over once he returns from this QPR loan I think he's he's done all right there um and I think you know he was good against Belgium you know but you know I think Josh Cullen could make anybody potentially look good um so I would more put him in the bracket of the the other two midfielders that we had last night in terms of they're okay backup but they're not probably going to take us to the next level if we really want to progress so you know I'd, I'd be looking heavily over the next 18 months at certainly Co- Connor Coventry as, as Phil mm. mentioned I think he's somebody who really could uh, take us to the next level I mean Cullen at 25 years of age and you know having already captained Anderlecht this season he absolutely is a, a no-brainer for um, us going forward for the next five or six years and everything we're trying to do so if we can find that player who you know, sits perfectly alongside him, I think then we'll be in really, really good shape yeah. because I think a lot of other positions are really starting to pick themselves now going forward. Um, so I think the Nations League campaign, um, if we can kind of nail down, I know McLean's our left back, but if we can still look at a few other options longer term, uh, Ryan Manning and obviously somebody else, hopefully. Um, Ender Stevens has obviously struggled with injury and, and another one of those who's in his early 30s, so probably someone we can't rely on long term. Um, but I think f- hopefully finding that midfielder uh, who can push push us on the summer would be a huge win mm. for us in terms of taking that uh, formation to the next level. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll mention the under-21s shortly uh, and their big winning in Sweden. But absolutely, everything I've heard about Coventry, um, he seems to fit the bill. I was listening to... Um, uh, Shane Keegan talk on on news talk last night after the game, and you know he said he's done a little bit of analysis into him. And probably my my impression of commentary was he, he you know he was a kind of a, a sideways and backwards you know keep the game flowing, similar enough to Cullen, um, but he does seem to have a little bit more about him, which uh, which is exciting. And he is uh, having a very good season um, at MK Don since he's since he's gone there on loan. Um, another player I think whose stock has probably risen. Um, especially after the Belgium game, and even after his he came on against uh, Lithuania, was was Jason Knightfield. Um and I mean, you look at his profile; he's still under twenty one years old. He's he has a, over a hundred games under his belt for Derby. Um, I mean, every time he touches the the ball for Ireland, he looks the he looks the real deal. Um, obviously, we've seen Festi um, Ibaseli, um get his move to Udinese in the summer, so it'll be really interesting to see what. Knight's next step is um does he does he stick in the championship? Does a does a Premier League team see enough there? Or does he does he play the, the Josh Cullen card and, and, and maybe go abroad? because um, he does look like a player who would, would, would you know fit right into um an Eredivisie team or, or maybe even a Bundesliga side. Um but absolute what a player he is and I mean 
out of all of the young guys, he does look like the one who will potentially go the farthest. In terms of the attacking kind of contingent we have, maybe aside from Parrot, who we're still a little bit kind of questioning to a certain extent. Obviously, he, he has to go back to Spurs and we'll see how things go for there. But I think you look at Knight and you can see he can be a, a top-tier player wherever he goes. I completely agree. And I think you, you nailed it there at the start when you say he's pl- how many games he's played for Derby. At, like and for most of that time, it was a real battle for that club. Still is, um, but he's been trusted to to play in a team that's been struggling to kind of roll up his sleeves and get stuck in. So he's a lot of very real experience <clears throat> at a very young age. And I think you're right that the next step for him is the really important one. I know there was talk because of how much. Uh, Strife Derby were in. It's been talked last couple of windows he could be going here and there. I think Everton was thrown around at one stage, and you're know, like, well, maybe not the best move in the world. But anyway, whatever, wherever he lands, I think it's it's very important that it is a progressive move for him. I think it's one. I think he needs to keep up the momentum of playing. So I think you're right. Maybe um, the right Premier League move or a move abroad. The worst thing I think he could do is kind of get sucked into that. Uh, trap that very understandable trap that a lot of young players mm-hmm. do in that they're moved from the championship up maybe to a slightly too big a club and getting lost in the shuffle or losing out on minutes uh, something that gives him a real competitive advantage over a lot of players uh, of his age is how many games he's played and you can really see it I think in the intelligence that he has and how he plays I think you can see it in the fact that he's played in the midfield three and now it's kind of established himself if you want to call it that as one of the kind of front three players for Kenny he's played in both both roles for Kenny so far you can see there's a lot of uh, football intelligence there uh, even he, the way he pressed uh, at times against Belgium was quite clever and um, just there's so much to like about him he brings a good bit of energy I think I think that role that he plays is uh, is very important in this system because we need somebody who has a little bit about them in those kind of half spaces coming in off the wing. Um, Robinson's quite good when he gets there, but if he's playing more central, and like Benny is more of that, as Enda said, that kind of winger who gets at fullbacks, we need somebody with a little bit of craft and guile on the other side who can maybe knit things together, slip in fullbacks, bring people in, in, involved that way. So he potentially has quite a significant role to play in Kenny's side. Uh, going forward, especially if he can keep playing as regularly as possible, because you you look at his maybe direct rival for the role, Jamie McGram, we're just after saying he didn't get picked for the squad, partly because he's not playing for Wigan, and it's that's how quickly it can go. Jamie McGrath was starting against Portugal, makes a move that hasn't worked out, is out of the squad. I'm not saying Jason Knight will get dropped, but he's benefited from that now. If he keeps it rolling next season, presuming he leaves Derby. Uh, I don't see why he can't establish himself as a vital part of the Ireland squad for 10 years in a couple of positions, really. I, I think he has the skill set for midfield or for, for that kind of 10 wide forward position, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it's interesting that I was saying, you know, it'd be great to find the perfect partner for Josh Cullen. And then you look at what Jason Knight's capable of and, mm. you know, how often he plays in midfield for Derby. Uh, and I think the highest praise you can say about him is, number one, how big of a fan Rooney is of him, which, uh, you know, Whatever you think about Rooney's managerial credentials, I think, you know, if he likes you as a footballer, you're probably in good shape. And also, I think he was captain for Rooney's first game, if I'm, you know, not mistaken. So, obviously, there's, you know, a huge amount of respect he has, you know, at the club. And as we said, over 100 games just at 21. But uh, I would just be slightly worried if we're potentially wasting him as a as a wide forward in a 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, I know his pressing is fantastic and he's got great energy, but... You know, if we talk about that need to be able to play through our press, especially, 
and to be able to play those, you know, triangles in really tight spaces, I think that's what he does so well. Uh, if you look at any kind of compilation for Derby, you know, obviously his potential to win the ball back is is really highlighted in anything you see from him. But also his one-touch passing in tight areas is, is really one of his biggest strengths. So potentially he's somebody who could do a job for us there. But, you know, as Phil said, he's he's going to probably likely to play a number of positions for us over the next 10 years. Yeah. Um uh, and with our front three options, especially at this moment being quite limited, it's it's not too surprising that he's kind of playing on on that left hand side, which he has done for Derby <clears throat> a few times as well. So, but um, really exciting to see how he develops. But that next move for him is is going to be vital, and I'd probably prefer to see him stay kind of top end of the championship than than either leave for abroad or <clears throat> or go anywhere near the Premier League. Cullen was you know just a few years older when he moved to Anderlecht, and he had I think it was three loans. Uh, under his belt, three successful loans in kind of League One. Uh, so I think that helped him a lot. So I, I'd like Jason, I'd probably just to stick around for another couple of years, ideally at, you know, at a championship club uh, chasing promotion if he does leave Derby. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, ideally a club, you know, kind of in a bounce back between Premier League and Championship. Um, say, for example, Norwich, if and when they're relegated, I think he'd, he'd fit in seamlessly there. Um, but absolutely, yeah, just to, to follow on Phil's point, I mean, it would be absolutely brilliant to see him join, I don't know, a Brighton or a Brentford type of club where, you know, youth are given a chance, but we have seen some players go there and kind of get uh, sounded out a little bit in terms of, of, of being given a chance to, to have a, a prolonged impact. Um, but he does look absolutely the real deal. Um, and I think, you know, the job Wayne Rooney has done at Derby um, uh you know, it's a, it's a nice feather in his cap, I think, uh, for Knight, you know, at 21 years of age to have that much football under his belt. Um, uh, and like you said, and it would be interesting to see him kind of in that midfield pivot alongside Josh Cullen, particularly against the uh, kind of Lithuanias and, and Armenians of the world. Um, I suppose, you know, we saw a lot of Matt Doherty kind of cutting inside, trying to, you know, make things happen in the middle. I think if you have Knight in those positions picking up the ball, um, and Doherty, you know, adding a little bit of weight, um, and McLean or, or Manning, whoever it is on the left hand side, I think you, you open up more options. Um, but I think, yeah, he he could also fall into a trap where we might necessarily know his best position for Ireland, and he could kind of fall between that front three and the, and the midfield two every now and then, depending on the opponent. Um, but um, I mean, absolutely, what a talent! And it, it would be great to see him kind of cap off that that Derby career with a by staying up and um, and getting a move uh, for somewhere where he gets some game time. Um, I suppose just to round off, you know, some of the big positives from the campaign, I think if, if there's one guy that absolutely epitomises Stephen Kenny's reign at Ireland, I think it's uh, Chidozi Ogbeni. Um, I mean, his story is incredible, you know, to go from uh, obviously born in, in Nigeria, first of all, came over to Ireland, played at Cork City, played in Limerick, uh, over in League One uh, with Rotterdam, where... I mean, he hasn't exactly been been shooting the lights out there, but he he's been doing just enough. But I'm absolutely adamant that you know, if if Martin O'Neill or Mick McCarthy or or mm. Tony, whoever was involved, there is absolutely no way Ogbeni would be anywhere near this squad. And talk about a guy just you know grabbing the bull by the horns and taking his chance. Uh, three goals in six games. Um, you know, fans chanting his name, huge cheers when it, when his name was announced in the team sheets. Uh, a huge smile on his face, um, 
just a, I think a fantastic illustration of what Ireland has become uh, with Kenny and with this kind of fan base completely behind him. Uh, and long may it continue. I mean, after that Belgian game, um, the the goal and assist, and I don't think enough has been said about his goal <laughs> overhead kick uh, in the box. I think it's, it's kind of been 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 overlooked a little bit since. Um, but the the cross as well for for uh, Alan Brown's uh, equaliser was brilliant. Um, struggled a little bit against Lithuania, obviously. You know, didn't have acres of space to run around in. But um, uh, I mean, what a story and what and what a start to his Irish career here. I mean, like, I I cannot think of a person in the world currently enjoying themselves more than Og Benny when he's playing for Ireland. Like he, you, like you said, he's just clearly having an absolutely fucking brilliant time. Like, there's there there every now and again one of these kind of unexplainably magic things happen where somebody is given a chance in a role in a sporting team and it just clicks and makes sense. Nobody quite knows why and nobody really wants to look into it too much just in case everything comes crumbling down when we stop to think about it for too long. Um, it's, it's been brilliant and he's genuinely a vital part of the side now. It's hard to, like, at, you know, even a year ago, he was an option, but it's hard to conceive of a team for an important game without like Benny in it. And it's even harder to conceive that he plays as a fucking wing back for his club instead of playing as what he is a clearly very good winger who frightens the shit out of fullbacks. And um, so, like, it, it's been brilliant. It's been so pure to see the enjoyment he gets out of playing and scoring. It was great to see him fucking ball the lines went out a couple of times last night when he just couldn't help himself but stray offside. Um, and it's it, he's like he's obviously spoken absolutely fantastically. Uh, he's carrying a big enough burden and um, being the first. African-born player to score for Ireland, he's not going to be the last for sure. Um, so he's carrying a big enough burden. He's carrying it very lightly, though. You wouldn't know it. Uh, so it's it's absolutely great. And I think you're right. He probably is the most emblematic player of Stephen Kenny's Ireland. And uh, and just it, it's probably it's it's probably testament to him that I can't think of too many better players who who would wear it as well. Yeah, I remember when he came on against Azerbaijan I think it was the first two things he did was mm. leave the fullback for dead twice and whipped in you know perfect crosses uh one where I think Robinson probably should have got his hat trick and I just thought Jesus you just don't see <laughs> Ireland have wingers who do this anymore really since Damien Duff or somebody like that it was just bizarre and really exciting and just to see how well he's played for us since then and you know the key being how much he seems to enjoy playing for Ireland as well. I mean, it's been quite a miserable watch overall for quite a long time, really. Even when we've done okay under O'Neill and Trapattoni, you felt that it was all very rigid and structured and nobody really enjoyed what they were trying to do. So um, the whole reason we were fully behind what Stephen Kenny was trying to do when he was brought in was because we hoped he would find one of these young players that would get minutes under him and that would succeed. And uh, he's finally got that. And I think it was, you know, quite fitting that he was so influential in Kenny's first win as well in Azerbaijan, even though he, he only came on uh, and that he's, you know, been one of his most important players since then. Um, so it's, it's been really exciting to see how he's developed and you, you wonder what this means for his, you know, domestic career as well, because he's been quite wasted really. Um, even though he's had some very positive moments domestically this season, I think he's somebody who could definitely be at championship level, you know, winger because they're just so rare. Really, we're mm. we're just seem to have all these, you know, wide forward type. I don't really know what you call them. Just forwards who who don't really 
leave fullbacks for dead anymore. Most of them cut inside, so you have left footers playing right wing or right footers playing left wing, and that that's fine. But um, to see Ogbeni constantly go on the outside of defenders and being able to whip the ball in consistently uh, is really great to see. And it's 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 great for Kenny that he's had that level of success with somebody like Ogbeni because you know, as Phil rightly said, there'd be no chance he would have been in previous Ireland squads under previous managers. So uh, it's it's for me Kenny's biggest win so far in terms of player development uh, because we wanted him to take a chance on players that other managers wouldn't have in the past and you know hopefully it it makes him realize that there are other players out there who who probably should be in in our squads going forward as well especially when the under 21s take that step up Mm. I mean there have been a couple of players over the years that probably um, overperformed for Ireland um, relative to to their to their club performances but I mean, surely there's there's clubs in in the championship. Uh, I don't know, maybe the SPL who are looking at Ogbeni and thinking, Jesus, you know, how how could we bottle his his Irish performances and and, and get him in? Um, like, he, you know, he, he's probably not Premier League standard, um, but I think you know some of his skill set that he seems to show for Ireland and probably to a certain extent, you know, throws on the green jersey. You know, he has fifty odd thousand people um, behind him. It, it must be a brilliant buzz that you probably necess- don't necessarily get a, at League One level, but um, he surely has to be on the radar of, uh, of championship clubs at the very least. Um, so it could be interesting to see if he does get a, a move in, in, in the summer um, from Rotterdam, although they are, in fairness, uh, still competing for a, for a promotion, so uh, he might get there on merit himself. Um, Phil, I suppose, you know, we've gone through some of the, the winners there. If you if you were to write a winners and losers column, who who would be uh, on your losers list of, of guys who whose stock might have dropped over the last week or, or, or guys who probably maybe didn't uh, take their chance? I don't want this to sound blasphemous, right? And I don't know if he deserved to top a losers list. But I think of the players in our first choice, in inverted commas, 11, I think the player whose position is under most threat could be Seamus Coleman's. Um, now, he is the captain, and he will start, I think, for another year or 18 months even, potentially, right? Mm. But there were two players last night in the back three who didn't start against Belgium who reasonably could consider themselves to be pushing for a place. Dara O'Shea obviously had previously started under Kenny before his injury against Portugal. Nathan Collins, the, a.k.a. the leaks of Joel Matup, with his Maisie runs forward last night, <laughs> um, did really, really well, really furthered his cost, uh, cause. And then we're not even talking about the, the leaks of Virgil van Dijk, Andrew Amabama Daly in that. It's just because things are so competitive and we have so many good young centre-halves coming through. And Coleman, for the first time, maybe started to show a small bit of those struggles that he's had at Everton, much bigger struggles as a right-back for sure. But maybe he showed just a hint of them against Belgium. Uh, at the weekend I don't know is he I'm not going to call him a loser right but he mm. like if it wasn't Seamus Coleman if it wasn't like 100 cap, 100 cap captain and absolute cultural core of this team if it was just a veteran defender who put in those performances he'd be under pressure from these young players and um, so I don't know if he's a loser but I think we can maybe for the first time see a way that Seamus Coleman isn't starting every important Ireland game. Jamie Carragher in full uh, flow there, isn't he? I know, yeah. <laughs> He's, He's watching too much Monday Night Football. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, like, you know, 
I don't want to say we're, we're, we're approaching hot take territory there, but I, I had the exact same um, kind of opinion coming out of that. Um, and I think it's, I don't think it's necessarily his fault either. I think we have Matt Doherty as the right wing back established now playing at the highest level. And I think the plethora of centre halves that we have just means Coleman. Um, I just don't think there's, there's room for him. Having said that, I think he's he's picked in every squad until the day he dies. I think he's just that guy you keep mm. around forever and yeah, ever. And he won't retire. As a captain. Yeah. As, you know, even if he never touches the, f- the field, I think what he brings to the to the, the camp, how he speaks, how he leads, I think he's happy not, he would be happy not to be hugely involved um, in terms of playing time. But, you know, he brings so many intangibles into that squad mm. that I think you continue picking him no matter what um, I don't think it's a huge slight in him to say that he's behind a Collins or an O'Shea or an Obama Daly it's definitely not a slight to say he's behind Doherty at this point um, but I think yeah he, he, he his starting days may be, may be numbered uh, and I'm not sure if, uh, if you're on the other side there between myself and, and Phil No I've been banging the Collins drum for a couple of years <laughs> now as you <laughs> see in the in the WhatsApp group, uh, and big Darrow Shea fan as well. It's great to see him back fit. Um, and uh, Omar Bamadeli, I mean, I think he's going to be a phenomenal centre back. So, uh, in terms of the options we have for our back three, um, I think, you know, like I, I would almost have Coleman fourth, fifth choice at this stage. It, you know, if, if somebody put a gun to my head, uh, even though he's he's still played quite well in, in on that right side of a back three, and it does kind of yeah. put less pressure on him than he has at Everton. But uh, again, if if I'm going to be consistent and say what will the Ireland team look like in eighteen months' time, in two or three years' time, it's tough to see Coleman playing any role in that. Whereas you know the rest of that back five, and particularly that back three that we have now. Um, I think that they'll all play a heavy role in that going forward. Um, in terms of kind of the other winners or losers, I, I don't think the two midfielders did themselves any favours last night, Horan mm. or Brown, in terms of mm. what they can add add to Ireland going forward. I mean, you know, um, I don't think either strengthened their case in terms of displacing Hendrick beside Josh Cullen in the summer, um, which is probably what they would have hoped to do last night. Uh, and then obviously Will Keane, uh, he'll probably still keep getting picked for now but again I'm uh, I'm struggling to see what what we can really do with him going forward but we need I suppose a backup number nine for now so uh, we'll keep throwing him in there uh, and his domestic form is is I suppose relevant um, especially if Kenny's going to be consistent and and focus on those who are playing regularly um, and then another winner is obviously of Benny just because he's magic you know absolutely I suppose you know on on the point of the midfield too there Howrahan sneakily 31 um, which I, I probably wouldn't have yeah. put him at that um, the second oldest in the squad after uh, Seamus Coleman or third oldest after uh, Coleman and McLean um, so you do I think what you add with his set piece ability and I think he was very very frustrating is Lithuania where for every one good delivery there was four or five bad ones um, you know I think uh, again, if you're a Jamie McGrath at at home, you're thinking, Jesus, I could do a better job. Uh, get me on, on, on corners and, and free kicks. Um, uh, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be uh, dropped either. Uh, I think he's probably a guy who sticks around for another season or two. But 
Um, another guy who probably is closer to the chasing pack uh, than most. Um, Phil, I suppose the goalkeeper situation, it was uh, Cuevin Keller's big chance to shine after his uh, heroics for Liverpool. Um, didn't have a whole pile to do against Lithuania, obviously. Um, I guess, he, you know, he wasn't hugely involved against Belgium either, but do you think he's done enough to, to usurp Bezuno there? Or... Uh, uh, has he has he closed in the gap even a small bit? I don't know. It, it's it is kind of from his point of view. It is unfortunate that he didn't have more to do. I guess and that he didn't have much of a chance to show things off. I saw him get a little bit of stick for the for the first Belgian goal. Thought that was mm. maybe a bit harsh potentially. Uh, but knowing Bazuna, Bazuna probably would have fucking saved the thing because just yep. can be what Bazuna does. <laughs> big, um, big Gav saves that. Big Gav saves that. He, he, he does. He just does the job. So I don't think I don't think he's closed the gap. Um, like I don't think that will be held against him necessarily. But he also didn't go out of his way. I think he would have had to go out of yeah. his way and make a statement by doing something like making that save or whatever. Um, I think Bazuna's just been so good for Kenny. I think Kenny has shown that he's willing to show loyalty to players who who produce the goods. Like I think the only way that Keller comes into this uh, into the June window as the first choice goalkeeper is uh, either a Bazunu isn't fit or b uh, he for some reason Cleveland Keller is Liverpool's first choice goalkeeper, and then yeah. I think then I think he's in. But I think if he goes back to being second choice, I think he'll still be second choice with Ireland just because Bazunu's done more to earn it rather than Kelleher losing it, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. At least um, he seems to be higher up the list than, than poor old Darren Randolph. Jeez, I'm not sure yeah. if you saw his uh, <laughs> his Instagram comments that he, that he backtracked on fairly lively. I uh, know I, I I missed it. I saw Kenny talk a bit about not having a problem with him, but I missed. I didn't realize he'd been he he took to social media to slam Ireland. Did. Boss, did he? Uh, he took to the to the official FA Ireland um, Instagram account. I think after they announced, um, I don't know was it either James Talbot or Max O'Leary coming in, um, but basically the announcement that uh, that uh, Bazuna was out injured, um, and then obviously Mark Travers. And uh, he said, I'm still available. I haven't retired. And then like 10 minutes later, oh, it was just jokes. It was just jokes after everyone had screenshotted yeah. it and shared it around. So Talbot was his main issue from what I could have seen. And then he said, I must be too old. Um, but <laughs> you're 34 and, you know, yeah, you, you are. You don't like. So very, very strange reaction, uh, considering, you know, the quality of keeper we have at the moment. You know, this isn't. An Alan Kelly situation where it's Shea Given and nobody else. You know what I mean? We we have an awful lot of keepers at our disposal, even with injuries and illness, etc. Mm. Uh, and I'd much rather a League of Ireland player be called up anyway uh, over a 34-year-old. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Fair play to him for caring, I guess. Yeah, I suppose he cares, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, no need to be a shithouse about it either, no, you know? correct, so. correct. Go wherever happens to the goalkeeper's <laughs> union. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I was one myself, even though I'm vertically challenged. But listen, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, I, I think his Ireland days are over. So, you know, sorry about that. Yeah, in fairness, fifty odd caps, I think, um, and he, he, was, he was pretty good. Yeah, and the Shane Long assist he, against Germany. Yeah, you know, that's yeah. listen. He, he does have a highlight reel. Yeah, in he has his moments. He has his moments, but uh, yeah, I just think his career yeah. hasn't really gone anywhere in the past couple of years. So. There's not much we can really do yeah. about that. Mm. Um, and in fairness, our, our, our goalkeeper union is uh, is pretty solid, and um, I haven't seen much of him. But by all accounts, 
Uh, Ed McGinty is the uh, is the League of Ireland goalie we should be calling up, and, and not James Talbot. Um, I'm not sure if we have any League of Ireland listeners who who, who will uh, um, argue that, but uh, we do have a, a healthy stable, I think, at the moment. Um, nearly too many, uh, too many uh, for one position. Um, which brings me on quickly to the under 21s, and I think we, we'll talk about the youth structure in general. I think it was probably a, a little bit of a mixed week. Um, for for the under seventeens and under nineteens, um, I think we also had some under twenty action thrown in somewhere um, early last week. Um, kind of a, a, a they call up a, an under twenty team to to play. Was it a League of Ireland eleven, or, or am I misremembering now at this stage? But um, uh, in terms of the under twenty one, is a huge um, Euro twenty twenty three qualifier against Sweden. And uh, first of all, I think huge praise. Praise first of all to to RTE. I thought their their mm. their coverage was excellent. They had um, Stephen Bradley and Stephen Kelly in studio. They uh, they got a hold of Jim Crawford at full time, who who spoke brilliantly. Um, I've listened, I've heard him a couple of times now. I listened to him on um, uh, League of Ireland Central with uh, with Dan McDonald, um, and he was excellent. He spoke really really well. In fairness to him, but um, brilliant performance from Ireland, uh, and to go away from home in the snow in Sweden, win two nil. Um, pretty comfortably as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure if 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 he saw a whole pile of that, but uh, I mean, he looked at the starting eleven uh, and some of the guys that came on. It's a, uh, it's the, the 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 guys coming through is is just crazy. Yeah, there are generally four or five who featured who could easily be in our senior squad at the moment, mm. and you know that's why I made reference to the fact that you know I think it's it's been great for Kenny that he's able to let the under twenty ones do what they're doing because of mainly the performances he is getting out of the senior uh, team. But, um, I mean, I, it was such a compact, controlled performance considering Sweden had, you know, more possession, more chances. They're the home side, obviously, but everything just felt very controlled for Ireland. I mean, both goals had a bit of luck to them in terms of how they fell to the player at, at the exact time. Yeah. But, you know, when you're playing well, that's exactly what happens. Um, but, I mean, you look in particular at, you know, O'Connor, Coventry, Kilkenny, um, Odebeko came on after 70 minutes I mean or sorry went off after 70 minutes but mm. um, I thought he did really he well did really, really well really really well um, uh, and you know Ross Tierney as well so uh, like any of those wouldn't be out of place in the senior squad especially against Lithuania um, uh, and a really really positive win uh, and, and as you said like I, I'm just blown away really by the talent we have available uh, at the under 21 squad I, I can't remember as much talent coming through um, since really the, you know, you know, Kerr's kids days uh, for an Ireland underage team uh, and even even the players who, who were missing as well, you know. So uh, I think it's it's really exciting going forward. And, and if you look at that starting lineup as well, I mean, so many of them are playing regularly in, in, in the championship yeah. or League One or, or in Scotland. Uh, and I think that makes such a big difference. Whereas you look at, you know, England, France, Portugal, a lot of those players are, are more on the cusp of their teams. Uh, whereas we seem to have a really kind of now consistent policy of if you play every week, there's a good chance that you'll get called up regardless of, you know, what age level it is. Uh, and in fairness to Kenny, he is quite consistent about that, even though it's 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 not working out well for a couple of players who we'd like to see in the squad. But it's tough to argue with you know a management structure when they're consistent. And I just think it's really exciting for... Um, 
what Kenny and Ireland are trying to do going forward in the in the next two to three years. I think there's there's plenty of these who who'll be uh, in the squad. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, like you said, um, Odebeko, I think for seventy odd minutes, I think he just ran his his legs into the ground. I thought he was he was very uh, good, and you know, I suppose there's been huge. Um, amount of uh, column inches put into him, considering his uh, his allegiance, and he seems to be all on board, which is which is great. Um, but even looking beyond him and some of the strikers that weren't involved, um, obviously Evan Ferguson, who's who's been on the bench at Brighton, Johnny Kenny, um, and further down the field, uh, the likes of um, you know Will Smallbone, who, who's been getting some cup appearances for for Southampton, Connor Noss, um, Festi Obasili wasn't involved either. So um, the, the the wealth of talent at the moment um, is just unbelievable. And quick mention then of the under 19s. And unfortunately, um, after Johnny Kenny put Ireland one up against Portugal, um, 78 minutes, uh, they conceded um, and then ended up losing 4 1, but then turned it around and, and put four past Armenia. Um, and Andy Moore uh, getting the goal there, another bright and talent who, who does look like a, an excellent player coming through, only 18 years old. Um, so. Um, obviously, you know, it's easy to kind of laugh and joke and, um, you know, Kenny's kids and, and follow the, the Twitter account and just see these guys coming f- out of every corner. But uh, it seems to be like such a such a golden era for Irish football. Yeah, and they're all in such good form. Even the players who are playing for the under-23 clubs in, in the Premier League, uh, mm. you know, you know, you mentioned Smallbone and, and other players like that. I mean, you look at every single lineup almost in that under 23s uh, table usually features one or two Ireland players either starting or on the bench mm. so I think it's it's great testament into number one how we're developing players um, locally when they're teenagers um, but also the fact that they're getting serious minutes over in England which is something that you know hasn't happened in the past and even that Odubeko situation I mean how many times would a player have kind of almost turned their back on an Ireland squad you know yep. <clears throat> as a as a young player and said, you know, almost pin their <laughs> colours to playing for England. And then all of a sudden, you know, switching around and coming back to play for Ireland. I think that's testament into the direction that we're heading as well. You know, we are a more favourable option than I think we were three, four or five years ago for younger players. Um, so if there is somebody on the cusp of potentially deciding, should they play for England or should they play for Ireland? I think we, we can make a much stronger case than we could uh, a few years ago. So I think that's going to be relevant, very relevant for us going forward as well. Mm. Yeah, and just to add two more names into the mix, I mean, just to further hammer home the point of, of the depth uh, in the Irish structure at the moment is um, Theo Adam Romola from, from Crystal Palace and uh, James Abanqua, both starting for the under-19s. I mean, those are guys who would absolutely, in another era, be in the under-21 squad. Um, but the under twenty one squad is full of guys who are starting Championship League One level. So um, I mean, it's it's crazy to to have that amount of depth mm-hmm. beyond the senior side, um, and makes for for such a, an exciting future. I think. Yeah, and even the amount of players that could be still playing for the twenty ones who have been called up to the senior squad, mm. like it's natural for one or two exceptional players. But like there is a ream of players not in that twenty one squad because they've been part of the senior squad for the last kind of year. 18 months in some cases uh, so like it, it it goes up as well it's not like there's just stockpiling of kids in the 21s 20s 19s who are waiting for the big push to come there's the push there uh, which is which is what's exciting for me as well is that there's kind of a gradual integration or maybe it feels gradual now 
if I however many debuts Kenny had to give in his first year, I suppose maybe it wasn't all that gradual. But now it feels quite natural embedded in. And instead of having to rush through six or seven in one go, who might reasonably be ready, he might be able to take them in, in kind of twos and threes um, and, and make it a bit more seamless. Absolutely, yeah. Um, exciting times ahead, I think. Uh, looking ahead to the to the summer, I suppose, we have uh, uh, fixtures against Ukraine, which, uh, fingers crossed, does go ahead uh, in the Aviva Stadium at this point, and then um, Armenia and Scotland. Um, and like we said, you know, we probably learned a lot from that Lithuanian game on, on Tuesday night to, to take into the Armenia game. Um, and I think the Scotland fixture will be a, be a huge event. I think Scotland will probably be a be a kind of an even enough task for us and I think it'll probably make for a fantastic occasion um, with the fans there uh, both teams will be well up for it um, thanks Phil thanks Enda Thank thanks you. guys thanks again for listening and again if uh, you don't subscribe please hit the subscribe button rate, review um, get us up those charts and thanks again for listening take care So we leave it there, so okey doke. Good night and God bless. <laughs>